HBCU Pulse Radio yeah. on Sirius XM Channel 142 HBCU. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today. Well, it's almost the end of the season. We're recapping the week that was in HBCU football, and it's a lot more games to come in Division One. I. I got Ariel in the building. Ariel, how you doing today? I feel like we're living in, like, a multiverse. You know, this week, Buddy Pugh started his to career mode where he's athletic director and a coach. We had a major upset in football. My rankings are all flipped up. I don't I don't know what's going on anymore, Randall. You got some nice swag gear going on and I'm just here trying to survive what is happening <laughs> in this football. St- I'm I'm just this weekend was like jaw dropping. I, I don't know what to expect anymore. Like the rest of the season is literally in God's hands because I we can't make this stuff up. Like you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, you you really you really can't because I mean just if you look at it, like everything is is warped at this point. The only thing that makes sense is like Benedict at this point. That's the only thing that really makes sense. So we're going to really tackle everything that's going on. Shout out to Benedict College 2023 SIAC champions in the building. And also shout out to Virginia Union 2023 CIAA champions. So shout out to Division Two for Aria. We got to talk about this Division One. What's going on in these MEAC and SWAC streets? So Aria, your game of the week was South Carolina State versus Morgan State. And it looked like Coach Buddy Pugh is not going to make the Celebration Bowl because Morgan State got him. So tell us about that game. Before I even say nothing, the camera person while I was watching this game needs to be talked to or fired because the fact that the lens this entire game was fogging up because it was a rainy game and there were rain droplets on the lens and they barely wiped it. I'm trying to see 62-yard returns and interceptions and fumbles and the doggone water droplets are blocking all the great plays. So, camera person, if you listening, because I know you listen because we a really great show, I really need you next time when I'm trying to watch my good South Carolina State team to get it together because that really that really made me mad. But on to it, look, this was a really slow game, and when you watch South Carolina State games, they're pretty slow anyway, especially for the past two seasons with Corey Fields Jr. being as the quarterback. I think it's something that – it's still he's still trying to grow in the position. He doesn't really have that much time left to try to master it with their season definitely being over. But I, it just the beginning, and you could tell with the broadcasters too. It really had a slow start until we get to the end of the first quarter, where Morgan State finally scores the first touchdown. However, they missed that extra point attempt, so you're just looking at a six to zero game. And then all of a sudden, while South Carolina State gets the ball. It tries on their second try, the second drive of the game, to get it down the field. It is miraculously intercepted in the end zone by defensive back who who actually is a linebacker on the other side of it, Eric Hunter. 
one of the most magical plays I've ever seen because you wouldn't have realized that he actually caught it. He caught it in traffic between the water droplets and all the other South Carolina State players that Corey Fields Jr. was trying to throw it to. Morgan State could not capitalize off of the interception. South Carolina State got the ball back. Nothing happened in that drive. And it was a lot like that in the beginning of the quarter that South Carolina State could just not get to the red zone. They were always stopping within 40 yards or 50 yards away. And that's one of the things that I think kind of helped them losing this game that they just could not get down the field. So on this kickoff return that was supposed to happen for Morgan State's team, the Morgan State kick returner fumbled. He caught the ball, but then he was hit, which got him to fumble the ball. Once the ball was fumbled, it rolled into the end zone, and it was recovered by South Carolina State. Now, according to football, to me, I thought in order for it to be a safety, the opposing team has to be tackled. And then the fumble has to be recovered in the end zone, or it can be the ball was rolled out of bounce and recovered and recovered in the end zone. But the opposing team, the kick returner, has to be inside the red zone. So for all you kids, if you are the kickoff returner and you are in the end zone, like you're literally in it, and you fumble the ball or you're tackled within it from the other opposing team, it is a safety. Since the kick returner was not in the end zone, he was probably at the 10-yard line about to return it, and it fumbled there after being hit into the end zone, and it was recovered by South Carolina State. It was a touchdown. It was a really weird touchdown. The refs did not discuss it. They just ran with it. They let the play happen, and I'm just like, this is one of the weirdest things. But at least South Carolina State got points on the board. After that, they went up in halftime to 6-14 with a 60-yard dash on the opposite side to get a touchdown. So I'm like, okay, South Carolina State, we got this. This is Buddy Pugh's comeback error. He said, I'm, I'm going to tell you I can do two jobs and run a football team at once. Like, this this is something he we can do. They get another interception, could not capitalize off of it, and end up getting a field goal. So now the score is 14-17. to 17. At the end, J.J. Davis from Morgan State had one of the best games that I have ever seen. You, We talk about Eden James. We talk about what happened last week with South Carolina State. You remember this man. J.J. Davis he probably will be the MIAC player of the week, running it back after an interception for Morgan State, which at the end, there was four minutes left after this play was made. And South Carolina State was not able to, again, execute their drives, get down the field, and get into the end zone. So you spend over four minutes, it's around like four minutes and 20 seconds, not producing any yards, mostly negative yards, no rushes at all. All your passes are blocked. All your passes are dropped. And you end the game 20 to 17. This game could have been winnable. It was a winnable game. I mean, Morgan State, their defense is amazing. Their offense, though, is a little shaky. They're not one of the best teams that we have in the MEAC right now. I mean, Smith for Morgan State, incredible. Used his legs, made every kind of plays that he could. J.J. Davis contributed. James Jr. contributed. but 
South Carolina State is the better team. And Corey Fields Jr. actually looked really great in this game. He was poised. He used his leg to and rushed for most of those yards to help Gibson down the field. He knew where he was throwing it to. It wasn't a bad game. They just couldn't get the system down to drive it down the field. And that's one of those things that I hope next season South Carolina State fixed. They can't get stuck in one place, especially when you have all this time left and you're able to get the ball back at least three times within these four minutes and create a scoring drive. There was no reason why South Carolina State could have won. It was slow. It was raining. It was doable. It was just disappointing for Buddy Pugh to go out this way. But, you know, now, now we're here. Morgan State went up. South Carolina State went down. And now I'm just confused because my other two teams that you're going to talk about have literally flipped. And technically, you had the better game, even though it was a blowout. I don't know if it was necessarily the better game. <laughs> it was the more intriguing game. It was the more drama-filled game. But I don't know if necessarily it was the better game. But great breakdown on everything going on with South Carolina State and Morgan State. But let's talk about my game of the week, Howard versus North Carolina Central. It was supposed to be a heavyweight fight. It was supposed to be two amazing football teams going against each other. They were talking that talk in the offseason about the co-champions, and Trey Oliver called Howard's rings, called them class rings, like they in high school and they high school seniors. And Howard's like, no, we, we were the champions. We have just as much acclaim as North Carolina Central did, and we were ready for the throwdown, Thriller in Manila. Like, I'm a wrestling fan, so we were cutting promos on each other. Ario, I was ready to go. I'm like, let's get this going. Let's do this. And then Howard did what they did. 50 to 20. <laughs> 50 to 20 out here. They are in Washington, D.C. Like, losing 50 to 20. I didn't expect it to go down like this, Ariel. And there, there ain't too much game breakdown that I can do. All I can tell you is that Davis Richard is still that guy because he had a 76-yard rushing touchdown in the second quarter. And Davis was like, I'm going to put the team on my back. We not going down like that, although they did. Okay, like Davis tried. He tried his hardest to really put that team on his back and make sure that they don't miss the celebration bowl. It just did not work out. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about, about this game. I have a little bit of a conspiracy a little bit because we saw that Howard lost to South Carolina State on last week, and then you had you had Howell that rushed for 283 yards. I wonder if they were playing chess and they just rested that game. They just let that game be. So North Carolina Central could be like, oh, we're going to get them. It's easy. We're just going to rush for all these yards. We got the best quarterback in HBCU football. He can run the ball. He does his thing, and we just going to get him. And Howard said, gotcha. And then they beat him 50 to 20. It has to be something. Like, it's so many storylines around this game. Ariel, somebody on Twitter, you know, 50 Cent, right? 50 Cent rapper. He does his thing with Power and all the amazing series, BMF. He had an album called The Massacre. And his name is 50 Cent. So someone from Howard did a graphic where they had Coach Larry Scott, Howard's football coach, they put his face on 50 Cent's body on the Massacre album cover, and they made that the symbolism of Howard beating North Carolina Central and putting up 50 on them. That's how crazy it's gotten. HBCU social media and the HBCU community they do not play. 
it was a lot going on. Davis Richard, honestly, tried his best to make something happen. He just couldn't. And I think Howard was ready to go. Howard showed us what they should have shown us from jump. This is the Howard that competed against Eastern Michigan. This is the Howard that competed against Northwestern. This is the Howard that we honestly thought could have won those games. Of course, we slept on with Eastern Michigan. We're not going to lie. But we saw that game, and we saw that they were better than an FBS team in that second half against Eastern Michigan. We saw Eden James. And, you know, I was saying that Eden James, he's had some quiet games. Of course, against Norfolk, he had that screen pass touchdown. That was really cool. But he's been really quiet as of recently. Eden James had nine carries for 84 yards, one touchdown. That gets you to the celebration bowl. That gets us possibly that storyline of your dad being a pro football Hall of Famer and you deciding to go to an HBCU and now you get to play on ABC and represent Howard, the Mecca, against what's likely going to be FAMU. We'll see about that. What likely will be FAMU and probably the Hollywood Bowl, not the celebration bowl, the Hollywood Bowl at this point. So this is what I wanted to see, Ario. Howard was clicking on all cylinders. Quentin Williams played great. Hunter played great. Kenny Gallup played great. It was so many amazing things going on from Howard, and this is the win that they needed. And I saw somebody say this on Twitter, Ario. This just might be Howard's best win since they beat A&T in 1993 with Jay Walker on the team. This might be, I'm just saying, Ario, I'm, I'm just telling, I'm sending the chatter in the HBCU community. This might be the best win that they've had since that point in time, because they might make the celebration ball and they might end up being the HBCU national champions. But I gotta say this, Aria, two more things, Aria, real quick, all right? Number one, I can make the argument, and we all can make the argument, that North Carolina Central losing this game might not be that bad for them, all right? So let's talk about it real quick. So North Carolina Central is ranked number 14 in the AFCA coaches poll. They had an amazing season. They beat North Carolina and CAA team. They beat Elon, a CAA team. Then they beat Campbell in that epic game that we saw earlier this season. So they're 3-0 in the CAA, 3-0 in out-of-conference games. And Elon was ranked. So that means that North Carolina Central, if they beat Delaware State, which likely they will, they can make the FCS playoffs. And it's always around this time a discussion and a debate on what is better. Is the Celebration Bowl better or the FCS playoffs? We're not going to get into that discussion today, but we can see North Carolina Central make the FCS playoffs and compete against Elon again or a North Dakota State or South Dakota State, Montana State. We very well could see that. So, hey, it might not be that bad of a thing if North Carolina Central wins a national championship, all right? Because I think they can do it. That like, like, the game on Saturday is an aberration, all right? I think that Davis Richard and that team, they can make a run in the playoffs. And I want to say this, even though we're projecting that, hey, North Carolina Central can make the FCS playoffs, we still don't know who the MEAC champion is, and we still don't know who's making it to the Celebration Bowl. Because with North Carolina Central losing that game, they're now tied with Howard and also Morgan State. And Howard has the advantage over North Carolina Central, and Howard plays Morgan State on next Saturday to conclude the season. If Howard manages to beat Morgan State, they are officially in the Celebration Bowl. They've clinched their bid. They get a month. Just sit back and chill, do what they need to do. 
and then they'll be in the Celebration Bowl in mid-December. If North Carolina Central beats Delaware State, which is likely, and then Howard, they lose to Morgan State, that means North Carolina Central is going to make it. But in the case that North Carolina Central, they're so demoralized that Delaware State comes in and they get them. Not only is North Carolina Central not going to make the FCS playoffs, but they're not going to make the Celebration Bowl. But what, but what if Howard loses to Morgan State? They're also not making the Celebration Bowl. And Morgan State, with a dominant defense, Damon Wilson from Bowie State University, Division II, will make the Celebration Bowl, REO. It's chaos in Division I HBCU football. HBCU Pulse Radio will be right back after this commercial break. This episode is sponsored by the Syracuse University School of Education. A pioneer in inclusive education, Syracuse offers scholarships for graduate programs in teacher preparation, counseling, higher education, educational leadership, instructional design, and more. Syracuse's equity-driven community leads in inclusive and anti-racist research and practice, as well as experimental learning and the integration of digital technologies. Advance the future of learning and your career. Visit soe.syr.edu slash pulse to learn more. That's soe.syr.edu slash pulse. You're locked into HBCU Pulse Radio. HBCU Pulse Radio is your number one source for news, information, and discussions about HBCU life and culture. From sports to politics and what's trending on yours. We're always at the heart of the culture. You don't want to miss this. Tune in to HBCU Pulse Radio every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on Sirius XM Channel 142 HBCU. HBCUs are more than a trend. Yeah. We're forever a part of the culture. HBCU Pulse always has you on lock. From the shade room to your favorite news feed. And now, on your TV and radio. We are, 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 are the number one outlet for HBCU culture. Follow, Follow. HBCU Pulse on social media. And visit HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Let's talk about our headlines of the week. So I'm going to start with mine, Ariel. We're going to really have a great conversation really quickly. So I want to have the conversation of our athletes getting enough exposure at HBCUs. And the question comes from an article that was released on Anscape by William C. Roden. He was talking with the Chiefs players, Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. We've talked about him a lot on this show. And Brian Cook, he played at Howard and he transferred to Cincinnati. He talked to them about their journeys from HBCUs to the NFL. And both had really interesting comments. Brian Cook got really honest about why he left Howard and transferred to Cincinnati. He said, I was looking for the best fit for me. Cincinnati reached out. It was an opportunity to be on a bigger stage and go back home to family. I still hold Howard deep in my heart. I met the closest people in my life there. No hard feelings. At the time, I had to figure out the best opportunity for me to prosper. Makes you think. And you're like, okay, we understand that. But you have Joshua Williams that was at a Division II institution in Fayetteville State University. The Broncos did his thing, did amazing, got drafted to the Chiefs out of an HBCU to show that that's possible. But Joshua Williams said he considered transferring. He said there was definitely a time when I was considering transferring just to get looked at more and be on a larger stage. But I stayed the course. I just decided to stay and stick it out. I had the attention I needed, and at least I get a shot at the league. 
That's all I needed. I didn't want to do anything to hurt the little success I did have in getting to the next level. So I decided to keep with the same program. So Ariel, we talk about the draft all the time. We talked about Davies Richard and us hoping that he gets drafted. We talk about all this amazing talent that we have. Football season is coming to an end, and there are HBC players that are entering the transfer portal honestly in droves because they might want to go to another HBCU program or they might want to go to an FCS, FBS program where they feel as if they'll get more attention and a larger opportunity and a grander shot at getting into the NFL. Of course, we know that you have draft-eligible juniors. They can play in the Legacy Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl, if they get an invitation because the NFL changed those rules, and that's caused a lot of discussion. So we know that that can be an opportunity for our draft-eligible juniors. But, Ariel, do you think that we're doing enough as an HBCU community and HBCU athletic programs to keep these athletes like Brian Cook and Joshua Williams and Kobe Durant, Davis Richard, do you think we're doing enough to keep these athletes at HBCUs? Well, I mean, it's, despite the love that I have for them, if, if we got to keep it a buck, we didn't keep Brian Cook. So, I mean, that's that should be the answer to our question. If we're stating facts, HBCUs, it's not that we're not doing enough. We don't have enough because everybody decides to leave. I think when you go for HBCUs educationally, it's a great benefit. I see it in my personal life now. I see it in your life, Randall. And just a quick shout out, if you want a really, really good breakdown of this article, go go check it out at Clutch Points at Randall Barnes, a really, really great breakdown of what it meant for these two Chiefs players. But educationally, yes, HBCUs are great. They provide a lot of opportunities. We got a vice president that went to Howard. We got Hall of Famers in the NFL that went to these institutions. So when you think about it, yes, there there is success. But you look at the Deion Sanders situation. You look at the Bethune-Cookman situation, how they almost had a retired professional football player until stuff started to fumble. You look at Brian Cook's situation. And when you don't have the resources anymore, you don't have the sponsors anymore, or you don't have the state funding, which a lot of HBCUs are state funded. Not a lot of them are private institutions and you're relying on them to pass these grants or for alumni to give back and pay those dues that you have to swear and take an oath for. It's If we're not doing that and not accumulating that, then we're not able to give our athletes these kinds of exposure and these kinds of opportunities to actually be sought after. I believe personally that Joshua Williams was very, very blessed, very, very fortunate to have these type of NFL recruits looking at him in Division II. There's so many great people. So now you got to go through all these HBCUs, even Division Twos. And it's sad for me because I'm, I'm torn because I get what Brian Cook is saying, that I couldn't stay at Howard because I'm not getting what I need. And that's true. But to me, to see that Joshua Williams stayed the course and still got to the same place that Brian Cook got after after transferring to Cincinnati, that's kind of one of the problems. I know it's hard to trust the process, but if you transfer, which we've seen it before, if you transfer out of the HBCU space to get to a bigger space that will probably give you more light and more eyes to look at you, it's great for you. And not saying that the decision was selfish. 
it only benefits you. It doesn't benefit Howard. You know, it's great that you shout them out. Though That was my foundation. That's what I got. Cool. You shout them out. They have that kind of, hey, let's go look at Howard. But it doesn't really help him. Like, well, he didn't stay all four years. Cincinnati was the one that really polished him. Cincinnati was the one that really helped him when he was sick or when he was injured. Or if he wanted to get better, he wanted to train better, to have better equipment. Cincinnati is a really great school. A lot of people came out of Cincinnati. So Travis Kelsey came out of Cincinnati. So you're looking and you're like, hey, Brian Cook, we appreciate you. But all you could give us is credit. And we only get half the credit because we had to let you go. So it's tough. I want HBCUs to succeed, but we I feel like there's still tools we need to succeed. I think that was brilliantly said. And I just want to say this just really quickly. I think that looking at those comments, I understand it more than I would have last year when it comes to the attention point. But the only thing that I'll say is that you can get good attention going to an HBCU because of the story around it. And I think that with the NIL, in the NIL era, I think that it's lucrative to go to an HBCU. There's opportunities that can come from that. I think there's opportunities at Howard. Like, Howard is the mecca. Like, Howard is a national brand. They have all those amazing alumni. You can get tapped in. And, and I know with, with Brian, like, Brian, he left Howard before, like, the, the era of NIL. He left before then. But I just think that folks got to look at, hey, if you're talented enough, they will find you. Because we still have records and tracks of folks that were at HBCUs that got discovered. Yet you have Emmanuel Wilson. He didn't get drafted. I talk about him all the time. He didn't get drafted. I think he could have got drafted. But he went out there and did his thing in the preseason this year. And now he's he's on the Packers. He had a, an amazing run in a regular season game as well. And now the Packers, as they're rebuilding, they might be like, you know what? This could be somebody that we can give some more snaps to. He, like, he could be a short yardage back. If you want to try like, like, try to rush it into the end zone, well, on the two-yard line, one-yard line, maybe he could be the person. He's a power back. He could really get in there and give us a touchdown. Like, I just think that there's opportunities to get in there. It might not be the draft because I think that what we've seen more often than not, there are more folks that are getting picked up on the undrafted free agency lane than they are being drafted. And just because you go to these power five schools or group of five schools or FCS schools, which I think that that's wild. You go to like, like a non HBCU division two school or non HBCU FCS school when dang ain't drafted either. If you want to keep it a buck because everybody's looking at FBS, if you really want to be real and there were FBS guys didn't get drafted either. To be 100% honest, so I just think that it's situational and you have to, to play the game and play ball because it's just this cyclical element of, oh, what's the strength of schedule? Are they playing quality of opponents? All these different things. When at the end of the day, if we really want to talk about it, I understand Joshua Williams' point, and his point is valid. We're not talking down that point, but Joshua Williams got drafted out of Fayetteville State. They played one out-of-conference game the year he was drafted, and then they went to the CIAA championship, they lost to Bowie. So I'm just saying, like, when you look at that team that he was on, he wasn't playing no FCS money game. He didn't play FBS money game, because that doesn't exist. FBS versus Division two, That doesn't exist in football. And he still got picked. So I understand the tra transfer point, and that is valid. But what does that tell you? With Brian Cook, he transferred to Cincinnati, and he got drafted in the fourth round, but we talk all crazy about Division Two, and Joshua Williams is on the same Super Bowl team 
on the same defense. They often shared the field at the same time he was there too. I think it says that if you are talented, you have the measurables, if you can be a pro, the folks will find you. So I, I just think we have to put that in, in perspective because we hurt our HBCUs and we think, man, I can't stay here. I got to go somewhere else. I think I think we hurt ourselves with that mentality. Ariel, great show on today. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at underscore underscore dot Martyr Day Ari or put me in the hot seat on Twitter. I would love to hear your Morgan State, your North Carolina Central takes, all that good stuff. I ask Riri underscore underscore or follow me on my website at unaxedopinion.weebly.com. Like what you hear? Uh, yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to HBCU, HBCU Pulse, Pulse Radio. Radio.